heard that song. That's one of my um, favorite songs. We had um, sang that song, I think I mentioned it, whenever I was um, traveling with Neighborhood Bible Time. And uh, that song was, uh, we'd sing that song a lot. And it really, the group that we were with, there were several guys that had a really, really good voice. And they were able to sing that song. And uh, they made it kind of spread around Bible colleges. And before long, it started getting into churches. It's an old song, but it's a good song. And it's, I remember the songbook that we sang out of, the, the notes had like their squares and triangles and different things like that. It was an old, old hymnal there, and so I always appreciate that song. And so let's open our Bibles this evening to the book of Joshua, chapter number one. As we've been going through the Bible, um, we've made our way um, through the first five books of the Bible. Amen. The, the Pentateuch, the law, and uh, Jesus talked about the law and the prophets, and uh, when he talked about the law, those were the, that was what he was referring to. And so we have now graduated out of that, and we are now in the book of Joshua. And so Joshua is the one who would take over leading God's people after Moses. And so we're going to learn a little bit about Joshua, but more um, really how this um, parallels to the Christian life. And so Joshua chapter 1, we're going to read the first two verses here by way of introduction, and then we'll look at some more things here. But Joshua chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, the Bible says, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Um, God is blunt right there, amen, um, just straight to the point, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. And let's go ahead and pray this evening. Father, as we come to you, Lord, God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for what we can learn from it. God, I thank you for inspiring it, and God, just all that you give us, the, the truth, of your word. And God, as we look to your word, I pray that you'd help us to discern. God, give us ears to hear what the Spirit saith. God, help us to um, just, we need your power. God, we need your presence. We need you to speak to us. Bless this time now, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we went through the first five books of the Bible, and those were authored by Moses. And now Joshua is the next book. And some had said that Joshua wrote this book himself. Others say as uh, Joshua was a minister to Moses, um, Joshua himself had a minister that would document these things. And uh, regardless, I believe that uh, it's inspired of God. Amen. God um, breathed uh, this book and uh, the book of Joshua is no exception and we can learn a lot from it. And so Joshua has some big shoes to fill. Uh, Moses has um, gone on to glory and uh, the Bible teaches that as Joshua rose to leadership, God said as he was with Moses, he would be with Joshua. And it reminds me a lot of the, the instance with Elijah and Elisha. And Elijah went to glory in the, the flaming chariot and the mantle fell down. And uh, Elijah, Elijah dropped that mantle and Elisha took it up. And he made the statement, where is the Lord God of Elijah. He didn't say, where is Elijah? He said, where is the God of Elijah? And I'm thankful for men of God that have influenced me in my life. And I look at my certificate of ordination and I see several of the men that were on my ordination council are now in glory. And I've learned a lot from those men. But here's the thing, I'm not looking for those men. Amen. I'm looking for the God those men served. And I'm thankful that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we can come to God. And yes, um, time passes but God never changes and we have a God in heaven who's able to use us even though we feel inadequate in our own lives. And the Bible teaches about Joshua 
that uh, the Lord magnified him in the eyes of the people, that they looked at Joshua and God made him bigger than he felt so that he was able to lead the people of God. And I'm thankful um, that Joshua had that humble spirit as he led the people of God. So Moses has died. We read here in this passage, um, Joshua was Moses' minister. And there's a lesson to be taught in that, and it's simply this. You're not ready to lead unless you know how to follow. You're not ready to lead unless you know how to follow. Um, a lot of people want to be the chief, but are we willing to be a servant? Jesus Christ said that the greatest of you would be the least of you. And uh, we need to learn to serve, not to be served. We need to learn to um, be willing to humble ourselves and take order. If you would, a lot of people, like they say, there's too many chiefs, not enough Indians. Hey, man, there's a lot of people there that they want to, to be the chief. They want to be in control, and they're not willing to submit to people. But if God is going to use you, you need to learn to be a minister. You need to learn to be a servant. You need to learn to humble yourself and take correction and, and so forth and guidance. And so Moses was the leader, and Joshua was the minister. And that word minister, um, it equates to servant. Um, he served his leader. Again, you're not able to lead unless you know how to follow. And the reason a lot of people, they, they, they try to, um, I've seen it happen in churches where they split a church and this and that, and they try to take on a church and, and lead a church that they split and it never takes off. And it's really because they didn't know how to follow. And God wasn't in that, amen. And let me say this, God's not in church splits. Uh, God, God is not in church splits. And, and I cannot emphasize that enough. And let me also just add this, God's not in church hopping, amen. Um, God's not in those things. You find a place, you get anchored and you, and you grow and, and you serve in that place and let God raise you up to be a leader. And that's what happened with, from Moses to Joshua. And so you see in verse 2, it says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Like I said, God is, is very blunt in the matter. Um, it's time to move on. And, and I look at that, and yes, they mourned the death of Moses. You read that in the previous chapter, how, how they mourned his death. But there's a time whenever you have to get up and move forward. And often in life, we have tragedies, but so often we live in the past and we can't move forward because we're constantly looking back. And so Moses deals with, or God deals with the Joshua and he says, yes, he's gone, but now it's your turn to step up to the plate. Now it's your turn to serve God. We, we can't live in the past. As Jesus Christ said it so fittingly, no man having put his hand to the plow and looketh back is fit for the kingdom. We, we need to move forward for God. We can't live in the past. And so as you look there again in verse number 2, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give them, even to the children of Israel. Now we understand as we studied in the previous books, one generation wandered for 40 years in the wilderness and now it's a new generation that are going in to inhabit this land of promise. Um, I said this in the last sermon, uh, I don't believe this crossing of Jordan and entering in the promised land is a picture of dying and going to heaven. Because here's the thing, when they went over into the promised land, 
There were battles to be had. And understand this, when we go to heaven, there's not going to be any more battles, amen? I'm looking forward to that day. Whenever I get to lay my sword down, I look forward to that day. Whenever I don't have to go face another battle, but until that day, until I draw my last breath, I'm living in this sin-cursed earth, there are going to be battles. And the question is this, am I going to wander because I don't have faith to believe God has called me into the ministry and, and has a place for me and has a place for you, has a place for all of us, or are we going to have faith that God wants to use us and we go forward into the land of promise or are we going to have unbelief and say I don't believe God can use me I don't believe the word of God I'm going to do my own thing and we're going to wander for 40 years what are we going to do one generation did not have the power of God on them simply because they disobeyed God they had unbelief and it led them to wandering for 40 years but another generation did have faith and it led them to victory. And so what are we going to do? What kind of Christian are we going to be? Are we going to move forward in, in faith and victory? Or are we going to stay in doubt and unbelief and just wander around? I don't believe it's God's plan for Christians to wander. But yet we do, and it's our own choice. Another thought regarding that uh, wandering, before we move on, is this. God will always bring you back to the place where you had unbelief and disobeyed God. And until you get over whatever it was that kept you from following God, you will never move forward in victory for God. You'll just keep on wandering. He'll bring you back. If it's an authority issue, you'll wander. He'll bring you back and, and bring up the authority. If it's a, if it's a humility issue, he'll run, you'll wander and come back, and, and God will try to humble you again. If it's a, a sin issue, you'll wander and come back to that sin again and, and again and again until you get that victory and trust God and move forward in faith. And so um, how are we going to serve God? So they are getting ready to move forward into the land of promise. If I could give a theme to this book, it's simply this, as the song we sing, faith is the victory. Faith is the victory. There are 34 chapters in this book. I'm going to um, give you a basic outline of this book here real quickly. Um, the first uh, portion of the scripture, chapters 1 through 5, is um, entering the land. Entering the land, chapters 1 through 5. Um, chapters 6 through 12 are overcoming the land. This is where you see a lot of the battles take place, overcoming the land. And then chapters 13 to 24 are it's occupying the land, occupying the land. So entering the land, um, overcoming the land, Occupying the land, chapters 1 through 5, entering the land, chapters 6 through 12, overcoming the land, chapter 13 to 24, occupying the land. Again, we see this transition from Moses to Joshua. And when we look at this here, Moses was one who delivered God's people. Joshua was one who defeats the enemy. Uh, we look at Moses, he gave them the law. And we look at Joshua, they go forward into a land of liberty. Both were needed, amen? The Bible says, uh, mercy and truth uh, come by Jesus Christ. And, and with, by, by, by mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. You need both the, the law and, and you need the, the liberty there. And you see both of these leaders and they had a balance between the two. But as we look at this and we see all of these things, that's all introduction, what I find out of the book of Joshua are some... Principles for victorious Christian living. And so there really in the Christian life are five parts. 
And we're going to cover three of them really quickly, and then we're going to look at the last two and focus on them for the rest of this uh, lesson here. The first part of the Christian life is salvation. Amen? You look at that, and you read the book of Exodus, and you find them coming out of Egypt through the blood of an innocent lamb. And that's a picture of salvation. The Passover lamb was a picture of Christ who shed his blood for the remission of sins, for my sins, and for your sins. And so there's salvation there um, pictured in the book of Exodus. Then you'll find the wandering. Now, I'm going to say this here. While it's part of the Christian life, it can be avoided. Amen. We don't have to wander um, as they did. And they wandered because of their unbelief. And we've already covered that. And that's mentioned in the book of Numbers and also in the book of Deuteronomy. And again, it's a lack of trusting and obeying the Lord. Then you find, and it starts here in this book, entering the promised land. And when you look at that, let's turn in our Bibles to the book of Joshua chapter 3. As they enter the promised land, it could be summed up into two words. Surrender and sanctification when we enter the promised land. So Joshua chapter 3, beginning in verse number 1, the Bible says, And Joshua rose up early in the morning, and they removed from Shittim and came to Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host and they commanded the people saying, when ye see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then shall you remove from your place and go after it. There's the, the surrender aspect. They don't go before it. They don't get ahead of it. They're after it. They're in submission to the leadership of the Ark of the Covenant as it goes forward. Verse number four. Um, Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that ye may know the way by which ye must go, for ye have not passed this way before here, heretofore. Again, they're following leadership they're submitting they're surrendered it's they're not leading amen um as it's been said um the the tail doesn't wag the dog amen um there, there's some leadership there and there's some submitting there's a surrender at one point they were stubborn and they said we're gonna do what we're gonna do but now they realize we don't want to wander anymore we want to go into the land of promise we want god's blessing we want god's victory so we are going to submit now and we're going to follow we're not going to lead again um you can't be a good leader if you don't know how to follow and you need to learn to, to submit and you need to learn to take direction and so one generation would not take direction they were stiff necked and hard hearted this generation was humble they were willing to take direction so the Ark of the Covenant would go forward they were submitting to that leadership there and then you look at verse number 5 and Joshua said unto the people sanctify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you and so you find here this entering of the promised land here so you have this part of, of the Christian life first is salvation then there's wandering which we don't have to do but sadly um, we do our own thing and sometimes we have to wander but then God brings us to the point of entering the promised land and I look at that and I see the surrender and the sanctification. Again, we, we mentioned this, Pastor and I have talked about this in the past. Uh, that's an old-fashioned word you don't hear often. Surrender. I remember the night whenever God called me to preach, and I went forward, and I said, God, I'll be a preacher. My pastor, Brother Wood, said, Brother Bucky surrendered to preach the gospel. And he made the statement there. He goes, he put up the white flag and said, not my will, but thine be done. And I look at that and we, we need to be a group of people 
who are surrendered. The Bible says that we're to be a living sacrifice unto God, that we're to put ourselves on the altar and let God do whatever He will in our life. We need to let God lead in our life and he puts leaders in our life to help us to follow that leadership and if we're not in subjection and if we're not humble we're going to wander around and we're going to have a lot of problems in our life more than life already has to offer because life is full of troubles amen the bible says that very clearly why add more of a burden why not just submit to the following why not just surrender and say i'm going to go where god leads me and i'm going to allow the leadership in my life um, to help lead me as well. And so here they are, surrendered to God. And it's one thing to say, I'm surrendered. But it's another thing to say, I'm going to be sanctified unto the Lord. He says there again in verse number 5, And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves. And that idea of sanctification deals with a separation from sin. And the Bible talks about vessels of honor and vessels of dishonor. And I don't know about you, but I want to be a vessel of honor. I want God to use me. And so if I'm going to be usable, a vessel that's usable, I have to be clean. When you go to someone's house and they have a meal prepared for you, do they bring out the dirty dishes or the clean dishes? They bring out the clean dishes, amen? And that's what gets used are the dishes that are clean. Let me say this. If we're going to be used by God, we need to be a clean vessel unto the Lord. God wants us to sanctify ourselves, to be set apart, to put aside those things that so the, the sin and the weight which does so easily beset us. And we need to be clean unto the Lord. And so as we move forward and as we enter the promised land, there has to be that surrender and that sanctification. And so where are we in our journey? Have we surrendered? Have we put up the white flag? Have we said, God, clean me up. God, reveal the sin that's in my life and, and, and help me to, to, to get over that sin. God, I plead the blood. God, forgive me. And the Bible teaches that if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And I'm thankful that with God, there is forgiveness. Amen. And we can come to God and we can be cleaned up because all of us have sinned for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags as there's not a single one of us in this room tonight that is perfect, but yet God can use us as we let Him clean our lives. And so you see here, they are sanctified to God as they enter the promised land. Have you entered the promised land? Have you gone forward in God? Or are you still there at the River Jordan wondering whether or not you want to move forward. Hey, um, come over. Hey, man, it's nice on this side. I'm thankful um, that uh, God worked in my life. And if it wasn't for God's grace, I wouldn't even be here today. But um, God has great plans for his people. But we need to be willing to surrender our will. And we need to be sanctified unto the Lord. Let him clean our lives. And so you see here, there's the entering of the promised land. And then there's the overcoming of the land. So... Salvation is where it starts, coming out of Egypt. Wandering sometimes happens because we don't have faith, we don't submit. But finally we get to the point where we're tired of wandering and say, God, I want some victory in my life. And so God says, all right, you need to enter into the promised land. In order to do that, you need to be surrendered and you need to be sanctified. You need to be set apart unto the Lord. But once you enter, everything's a bed of roses, amen? Uh, 
It doesn't work that way. Uh, in fact, when you enter, you're going forward into battles. You ever think about that? So when you wandered, you wandered around, and there was no profit in life. It was just the same thing over and over again. Just, man, I, there has to be more to life than this. But whenever you enter into the promised land, um, that's when the battles start. Amen. That's whenever we begin to see victory. But here's the thing. While we are in the battles... The battle is the Lord's, amen? And I'm thankful that God is in control and He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think and God is able to get us the victory. And so you see here, we enter in to go to battle. When you surrender to serve God, that's just the beginning. And so you think about this here. Let's go to um, Joshua chapter 5. We'll look at verse number 13. Joshua chapter 5. In verse 13, this is, they're getting ready to go fight the battle of Jericho, their first battle here. And as they're getting ready to fight, um, it says in verse 13, And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with a sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? And he said, Nay. But as captain of the host of Lord am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto him, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place wherein thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. And so you find here, um, I've preached about this just within the last few months, but uh, up next and the next generation coming up and moving forward. And I'm thankful for this illustration of God that he gives. Whenever they, they go forward and they perform the Passover before they go into their first victory and, and they're reminded of they're here not because of their own doing. They're here because there was a lamb that shed its blood and, and they're reminded of that Passover. They're reminded of that salvation. And let me say this, as we go forward by the, by the grace of God and for the glory of God, and we're not there in our own strength. We're there because a, a lamb shed his blood, amen, and, and gave his life for us to save us, to redeem us, uh, to give us a new life in Christ and that's the only reason we're even here today and so they're reminded of that before they go forward and they overcome the land and so as they're there um, you find that uh, there's this uh, the captain of the host of, of the, the captain of the Lord's host and they, they, they look at him and they say are you for us or the adversaries and he says listen here I'm the captain of the Lord's host amen I'm not a, it's, not matter, it's not a matter of whether or not uh, God is on our side it's a matter of whether or not we're on God's side and so again, so the victory um, that we see isn't us and God getting on our side, it's us getting on God's side. Amen? Uh, again, we sing the song, I'm on the winning side, but, but do we really realize what that means? There are battles that all of us are going to face that are bigger than every single one of us, and it's not a matter of whether or not we could overcome it, it's a matter of whether or not we're on God's side who is able to give the victory. That's what matters. I was listening to a preacher once, and he made the statement regarding ministry, and there's all these different programs that churches do, and, and all that, and I'm not against order and structure and trying to systematically reach a, an area and things like that and doing promotions. I'm not against any of those things. But the preacher made this statement. He said, we need to stop asking God to bless what we're doing and we need to start doing what God blesses. 
We need to stop, ask God to stop asking God to bless what we're doing, and we need to start doing what God blesses. And that's the idea here. It's not a matter of whether or not God was on their side. It was a matter of whether or not they were on God's side. And so as we go forward into victory, we need to make sure that we're on God's side. Amen? We need to make sure we're doing what God blesses and what God has ordained and what God has in His Word. And as we do what God wants us to do, yes, there will be battles. But God gives the victory in every single one. I'm thankful um, that God is able. I'm thankful that He is victorious. I think about the, the, the victory that our God is, that He has. And, and I often think about Revelation. And whenever the Lord comes back at the end of that book and, and He's riding in those white horses and the Bible says that we're going to be with Him. But here's the thing. Um, he's the one that's doing the fighting. Amen. He's the one that opens His mouth. He's the one the sharp sword comes out. He, he's the one that destroys the nations that oppose God and all that is holy. He's the one that gets the victory. We're just on the winning side. Amen. And yes, there's a battle, and yes, it's real, and yes, the heat gets turned up, but hey, God's the victorious God that we serve, and, and God is able, and so we can trust God, and so are we on God's side? And so you see them going in, and they overcome the land. These are battles in the Christian life. So it starts with getting saved. Sometimes we have to wander, which I don't want anyone to, but then we have that point where we enter the promised land. We surrender and we, we sanctify ourselves and then we overcome the land. There's battles in, in, in the land. And I used to often think of this that really surrender was an end all when it came to serving God. I just need to be surrendered and, and that's all that matters. But here's the thing, there's battles. And I need God to give me victory in those battles. And whenever I began to face battles, even when we were in Taos and stuff like that, it, it didn't click. Hey, just because you're surrendered doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. You have to, to face some battles. You have to get on God's side. You have to seek God to get the victory. And it became real as a pastor for 10 years as we sought God um, that surrender is just the beginning. There, there has to be the battles, and, and you have to do it in the strength of God. I so appreciate the, the sermon um, last week, the, the Brother um, Glenn preached uh, the, the, about uh, the, the fruit and, and bearing, uh, you know, having weeds and how to grow weeds and all those different things like that. And, and he talked about how we could sometimes think we're doing something good, but it has no spirituality to it at all. And there's no fruit. And, and how often do we go to battle in our own strength without the power of God on our lives? We need to be on God's side. Are we on God's side? But if we are, He gives the victory. Again, that doesn't mean it's easy. I'll also say this much, that doesn't mean things turn out the way we want them to turn out. But God always gives the victory. And His victories are always greater than what we try to do in our own strength. And so they overcome in the land battles in the Christian life. And this is just the beginning of several battles that they have. Um, but now go in your Bibles to chapter number 11. Chapter number 11. These are still some battles that they have to face. But as they, they go to face these battles here, that there comes a point whenever all the, the nations try to come together for like a last-ditch effort to fight against the children of Israel. And in that last-ditch last effort, they get another victory. Amen. God gives them the victory. And it seemed like it was bigger than them, again, but it wasn't bigger than God. And so you look at chapter 11, and you look at verse number 15. The Bible says, as the Lord commanded Moses, his servant, so did Moses command Joshua, and so did Joshua. He left nothing undone of all that the Lord had commanded Moses. So 
They have entered into the promised land and they are facing these different cities and they're going forward and battling. And in this chapter, um, some kings get together and they try to fight against Joshua and the children of Israel. And in doing this, um, they, they end up having one last battle. Again, it was a last-ditch effort. But what you find here in this uh, occupying the land, I'm not going to make a big deal out of it, but I just want to make a point here. In these battles, because one generation had its own issues, the next generation has its own issues, but despite the battles and issues, there were some things that God gave to Moses. Moses took those things serious, and he gave them to Joshua, and Joshua fulfilled those things. And, and as we consider that thought, I, my mind constantly goes back in these books where there's a transition from one to another generation. Um, whenever I was ordained into the gospel ministry, and some men took some things very serious, and they, they entrusted uh, myself and Brother Fox uh, with the gospel ministry, and they ordained us into those things. And so God gave them some things. Those men gave us some things, and it's our responsibility to give those things to the next generation uh, and so you see that there over and over again the bible says in the book of second timothy um the things which thou hast received of me he says the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also and there's this continuation of the same teaching from one generation to the next generation and, and i'll be honest in, in my generation the preachers that are, are my age a lot of them are not keeping the things that were given to them they're not keeping the things, and, and they're changing things. They're changing doctrine. They're changing direction. They're changing a lot of different things. But here's the simple fact. If we want God to keep us um, winning battles, we need to keep things the same. Amen? The doctrine that we have, we need to keep it the same. The distinctions that we have. Let me say this. Uh, I am an independent Baptist. Amen? Uh, and I, I'm thankful to be a Baptist. And, and I, I wasn't born a Baptist, but by God's grace, I'll die a Baptist. Amen? And uh, as one preacher said, I'm Baptist from... Uh, uh, he, he said it this way, I'm Baptist born, Baptist bred, and when I die, I'll be Baptist dead. Amen. And so he was, he was raised in the Baptist church there. I wasn't Baptist born, but I'll be Baptist dead by God's grace. So why is that? Because there's some things that were given to me that I can't compromise, some distinctions that set us apart from all other groups that we hold. And so you find here, they're in this land, there's a whole bunch of paganism, there's a whole bunch of idolatry, a lot of false teachings, but Joshua said, we can't have the idols of this land, we're sanctified unto God, we're going to keep things the same. Um, God gave it to Moses, Moses gave it to Joshua, we're going to keep things the same. And so you see here, he's doing what God had told him to do, how he told them to do it, the, the way he told them to do it. And so in all of this, you look at verse 20, and here's this last battle here, as they did what God said in the battling, for it was of the Lord to harden their hearts, referring to those other cities, that they should come against Israel in battle that he might destroy them utterly, and that they might have no favor, but that he might destroy them as the Lord commanded Moses. And go down to verse 23. So Joshua took the whole land according to all that Joshua, excuse me, according to all um, the Lord said unto Moses, and Joshua gave it for an inheritance unto Israel according to their divisions by their tribes, and the land rested from war. So now you find here, they go from overcoming in battle to now occupying the land. This is, again, where people talk about the victorious Christian life. Now, there's still some issues that happened along the way. It didn't get easy. Um, there are still some things they had to deal with, but the simple fact is this, that they had some wins under their belt. Amen. They saw God do some things in their life, and they knew whose side they were on. They were walking 
in victory. God wants His people to get to that point. Are we walking in victory? I have yet to say that I'm on this part of my Christian journey. I still believe that there are some things that we're dealing with moving forward in my own Christian life and my own Christian growth that I haven't quite got to that point. But I pray God would allow me to get to a point where I'm walking victoriously on a daily basis. That's what God wants for us. Does it, does it mean it's easy? No. Does it mean the, you know, we're going to have everything smooth? No, no. There's, there's still trials. There's still hardships. It's part of life. I, I understand that. But it gets to the point to where it's not that things are happening to us. It's just this, that God is, we're on God's side and he's getting us through the things that are happening. That's what I want in my life where it's not me fighting the battle. It's God fighting the battle. How often, how often do we have a problem and we start scrambling trying to figure out what to do and how to do it and, and we get in the way of God? As the Bible says, we need to be still and know that He is God. So you see here, these, these cities came together and God brought it all to pass and they thought they were going to get a victory over the people of God but God did that so He can get them all together so He can give them the victory. So they didn't have to go to all these cities. He brought them all together and said, just might as well get it done. You know, kill two birds with one stone. Amen. That, that's kind of the idea there. And uh, if you like Chuck Norris jokes, amen, Chuck Norris can kill two stones with one bird. Amen. And so there you go. Um, but I like the Chuck Norris jokes. They're kind of funny. But uh, um, looking at this here, uh, Joshua got the victory. They, they had the battles, but God did the work ultimately. They, they were occupying the land. God had given them rest. And so as you look at this idea of occupying, God brought it, the alliance, so that he can give them the final victory. As you consider this thought here, I believe it's a parallel to the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, the Bible talks about that. Um, had they known of the resurrection, that they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. And you have the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the priests, the devil himself, all trying to crucify Jesus, all working together in order to get a victory over Jesus. But that was the very plan of God himself, was to allow that to happen. Why? So God can get the victory in the resurrection. And so you see here what they thought they were doing to overcome God, God was using to overcome them. And so you see that here in this passage. They thought they were going to overcome the people of God by coming together, but God used that so that he could overcome them. And I'm thankful that as you consider that thought, uh, yes, the devil tried to, to work against Christ, and, and the Bible says that they saw to destroy Jesus whenever you read the Gospels and they all came together and they, they finally came up with a lie in order to, to, to crucify Jesus. They all came together and mankind had his worst to offer the Savior but in doing so um, God had his best to offer when he gave his son to die for our sins and resurrect from the dead. They thought they had the victory but little did they know Sunday was coming and God would give a victory. And so you see here how the Bible says in the book of Genesis, you meant it to me for evil, but God meant it for good. As the Bible says in the book of Romans, um, all things work together for good to them that love God who are the called according to his purpose. And, and that's the idea there. Yes, there's battles. Yes, it's hard. Yes, it's difficult, but we're on God's side. He's going to give us the victory. He's going to fight the battle. Yes, we need to show up. Yes, we need to have our sword of faith. Yes, we need to have our sword of the Lord. Yes, we need to have our, our helmet of salvation, our shield of faith. We need to show up to battle. But hey, God gives the victory. God gives the victory. So we see this here, and we look at this last part, verse 23. The Bible says, so Joshua took the whole land. Joshua took the whole land. This was an inheritance 
to God's people. But let's go to chapter number 13 in verse 1. The Bible says, Now Joshua was old and stricken in years, and the Lord said unto him, Thou art old and stricken in years. And again, God, God is just, he's blunt, amen. I think that's funny. You're old, Joshua. And look what he says here, though. There remaineth yet much land to be possessed. It's interesting because it says, well, we just read that Joshua took the whole land, but then here it says, there remaineth very much land to be possessed. Is that a contradiction? It's not a contradiction. God's word never contradicts itself. Let me give you something to consider here. As we consider this thought here, there is a difference from all the inheritance we have through Christ versus what we actually possess. There's a big difference there. God has promised to give us victory over sin. God has promised to help us with bitterness. God has promised to help us in our dark days. God has promised to help us in all these things. That, that's our inheritance. We have that in Christ. But just because it's there doesn't mean we have it. We have to possess it. And how do you get it? It's by faith. It's just like salvation. He, he makes it available, but do we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? Have we received the gift of salvation? It's there. It's freely given, but have we taken ownership? Have we called on the name of the Lord to save us? It's available, but do we have it? And there's this inheritance. It's available, but do we possess it? And the difference lies simply in this. Um, it all comes back down to faith is the victory. We need to act on our faith. We need to believe God, and then we need to claim what God has given to us. I'm going to read to you an excerpt from the book that I've been studying here. It says here, um, So Joshua took the whole land, um, it says there, but yet there remaineth yet much land to be possessed. These two statements in reality are not contradictory, but complementary. Um, they are two aspects of one situation, and both are true. Um, this was a real sense in which, there, there was a real sense in which the whole land had been taken, and there was a real sense in which very much land yet remained to be taken. Um, the decisive blow had been struck. Um, the key cities had been sacked, uh, ransacked. All opposing alliances had been crushed. And so you see here, they had the whole land. But yet, uh, you find here, it remained only for them now to see to it that there was a pressing home of the initial victory um, to the last detail. It is the same with ourselves. The, the decisive blow has been struck at sin and Satan and the powers of darkness by our heavenly captain and thereby the entire inheritance of all blessings in the heavenlies in Christ is ours. But we must now apply that victory, carrying it through the whole realm um, of our thought and life and pressing it home to the last detail, especially in our prayer life. There should be a pressing forward in the power of this victory. The powers of darkness can never recover from the mortal blow inflicted on them on Calvary. And so what you find here is, is that there's this inheritance that's been given. God has given the victory, but are we claiming the victory? Now, I'm not talking about name and claiming and going out to the Porsche dealer and putting your hand on a car and saying, in the name of Jesus Christ, I claim this Porsche. I'm not talking about that kind of stuff. I get that. But let me say this. There's some promises that Jesus Christ said we pray in his will. He'll give us. You know, I think about that. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. Amen. That's a promise from God. You think about all the different promises that God has given. They're all available. But are we seeking God for those things? Are we trusting God for those things? Or do we see the promise and we know what the result is, but then we try to do it in our own strength? It doesn't work that way. We need to trust God for the victory. And so it goes on to say, yes, the whole land is taken, 
Um, and yet there remains very much land to be possessed. It has been aptly observed that there is a difference between the inheritance and the possession. The inheritance is the whole land given by God, whereas the possession is only that part of which is appropriated by faith. Um, and it goes on to say, our inheritance in Christ is that He is our um, He is He, he is uh, to us. Um, potentially, we have all this inheritance, but our possession in Christ is what He is to us actually, according to our measure of faith. What do we actually have because we believe God for it? Is what it's saying. There's the inheritance, but do we trust God for it? We have this inheritance. But do we possess it? And so you look at this, and let's go to chapter number 21 and verse number 44. Chapter 21 and verse 44. We're going to wrap up here in just a few moments. Chapter 21, and uh, we'll look here actually in verse uh, 43. It says, And the Lord gave unto Israel all the land which he swore to give unto their fathers, and they possessed it and dwelt therein. And the Lord gave them rest round about according to all that he swore unto their fathers. And there stood not a man of all their enemies uh, before them. The Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand, there fell not aught of any good thing which the Lord had spoken unto the house of Israel. All came to pass. That's the inheritance. And they received it because they believed God and did what God said to do. There's the inheritance and there's the possession there. They believe God, but there is an example where God really he highlights a particular group. Go to the next chapter. It says, Then Joshua called the Reubenites and the Gadites and half the tribe of Manasseh and said unto them, Ye have kept all that Moses, Moses the servant of the Lord commanded you and have obeyed my voice and all that I have commanded you. Remember, they were on the other side of the Jordan, but they helped fight on this side of Jordan. Um, ye have not left your brethren these many days unto this day, but have kept the charge of the commandment of the Lord your God. And now the Lord your God hath given rest unto your brethren as he promised them. Now therefore return ye and get you into your tents and into the land of your possession which Moses the servant of the Lord gave you on the other side of Jordan but take diligent heed to do the commandment and the law which Moses the servant of the Lord charged you to love the Lord your God and to walk in all his ways and to keep all his commandments and to cleave unto him and to serve him with all your hearts and with all your souls. So Joshua blessed them and sent them away and they went unto their tents. And so this group of people were from the other side. These are tribes that were on the other side of Jordan, um, but they came and helped fight the battle on this side. They already had the possession of the land, and they already had the promise of the land. They already had the inheritance, but the thing is, they went back and they kept that inheritance. They kept those blessings. Why is that? Because they did what God said to do. Simply put, they followed the Lord. They trusted and obeyed. Again, we think about this idea of the Full inheritance of God, but what we actually hold in our hand. And it boils down to simply this, trusting and obeying. And it's summed up in the theme verse of this book, which is found in chapter 24. And all of us probably know um, this verse, if anything, a portion of this verse. It says in verse 15, chapter 24 and verse 15. Actually, we'll start in verse 14. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve you the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose, this day whom, choose you this day whom you'll serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so you see here the 
Full inheritance versus possessing it boils down to this. Are we going to serve God? Are we going to trust Him and obey Him? Now, I don't know about you, but I want victory in the Christian life. I want God to use me. I really do. I want to be a vessel of honor. I want to be sanctified under the Lord. But it boils down to this. Are we going to be humble? Are we going to be teachable? Are we willing to submit to what God has for us? Are we going to be as Joshua? But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. They made a choice to serve God. That's how they not only understood the inheritance, but they received the possession of that inheritance. They got what God promised them. Are we going to get what God has promised us? Are we going to serve God? We, we, as the Bible says, choose you this day whom you will serve. As we were in youth camp a couple weeks ago, we preached about Elijah and the challenge of Elijah. As he went before the people and he made the statement to the, to the nation of Israel and, and to Ahab. He says, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, then follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And there has to come that point where we just say, I'm going to choose God, I'm going to quit playing games. I'm going to quit wandering. I'm going to quit doing my own thing. And I'm just going to choose the Lord. And so where are you in this Christian journey? And if you have chosen the Lord, just remember, there's still battles. Um, but get on God's side. Do what God blesses. And God will take care of you. Um, yes, there's struggles. Yes, there's hardships. Yes, there's storms. I, I get it. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. But here's the thing. Um, we have the, the power of God available to us. And the Bible says, if God be for us, who can be against us? The Bible says, nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. He has given us the victory. And as the Bible says, um, faith is the victory there, um, which overcometh the world. Even our faith, which overcometh the world. We sing the song, faith is the victory. So do we trust? Do we obey? Have we chosen the Lord tonight? And so with that, let's go to the Lord in prayer.